sorry for getting emotional. I learned the hard way because at the beginning uh, of my career, I, I was not very, didn't do that much often, is find a point where you close your day. And when you close your day, you close your day. Of course, there's an emergency. Of course, your things happen at 3 a.m. in the morning and you have to take care of that. You know, in my case that you work in IT, you have a seven by 24 operation that sometimes, you know, bad things happen. But uh, when you close your day, is the day is the moment for the family, is the moment for yourself. That provides you also with freshness to your mind, to your heart, to your soul, to be able to be productive the next day. Hey there, this is Ben. Thanks for tuning in to Lead the Team. Before we jump in, we just broke into the top 3% of all podcasts globally, and that's largely due to the support of listeners just like you. I invite you to subscribe so you're notified when we release a new episode, and also leave a quick review. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hey there, Lead the Team Nation. Ben Fanning here. I've got a good one in store for you today with... Luciano Parola, who is the EVP, that's Executive Vice President and Chief Information Officer of Sirion Technologies. He has a passion for technology and how it impacts business and our lives. He considers himself a business leader that uses technology as a tool to improve business results. Sirion, in case you're not familiar with it, is headquartered in Miami, Florida, and is a leading digital infrastructure and technology provider offering a comprehensive suite of fiber network connectivity, co-location, client infrastructure, and communication and collaboration solutions with the purpose of furthering Latin America's progress through technology. Sirion serves over 6,500 Latin American-based and multinational customers, including enterprises, government agencies, cloud service providers, wireless carriers, ISPs, and other leading business. Luciano, welcome to lead the team, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me, Ben. So you are one of the first leaders, executives from South America that we've actually had on lead the team. And we're like 150 episodes in, so it's about darn time we had somebody representing that beautiful well, area. I'm glad, I'm glad to be one of the first ones. All right. There's so a lot of there's a lot of energy and a lot of work and a lot of things happening in Latin America. So I'm glad to be able to to tell you about it. Well, you're representing a whole continent here for us. Uh, and, and even cooler, you're actually based in Miami. So you kind of get both perspectives from a North America and South America standpoint. Before the leaders now, uh, maybe they haven't done a lot of business in South America. Maybe they haven't traveled there or, or that overly familiar with it. What, from your perspective, what do leaders need to understand most about doing business in South America? Well, I would say uh, Latin American countries are, have, uh, of course, a very Spanish and Italian influence, I would say. So uh, we're very passionate about it, especially during this season where we have the World Cup, where it's a big thing in Latin America. <laughs> yeah, it's so World Cup time, y'all. 
Yeah, you know, you know how it is. You know, uh, it's very passionate about it. So, physical interaction for the Latin people is important. Even though with the pandemic, you know, coming through the last few years and and the development of, of this new way of working without going to the offices, etc. When you talk to people, when you go and visit them and travel, things feel different. You know, there mm. there, there is this uh, interaction where, uh, from a cultural perspective, is very important. You know, see eye to eye, interact uh, physically. Then I would say, uh, from the business perspective, uh, conditions are very uh, volatile. I would mm. say, mm-hmm. you know, we have governments that are very creative. So uh, they always find a new way to tax something or to change regulations. So being able to adapt is uh, it's a very important thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's uh, things that you could see here in the U.S. or even in Europe, you know, planning for five years, 10 years. We do that, but knowing that the level of uh, accuracy in, those, in that planning from the business perspective, is is something that you have to be reviewed, not even quarterly. I would say in many cases monthly. So it's uh, being having the being agile in terms of adapting is a key uh, success factor to to have a good business in Latin America. I, I would say that just are two things which provides most of our people with a lot of creati- creative solutions. You know, mm. sometimes, you know, to to survive from the business perspective, you have to be creative and, and think out of the box because the challenges you have in certain basic things are are uh, not the same that you have somewhere else. Fantastic. So let's, let's spend a little time on those uh, really quickly. One was, you said physical interaction uh, and... Meaning handshakes, looking in the aisle, uh, eye being in, in proximity, uh, hugging having with friends, dinner, having dinner with people. D- you know, dinner. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that you know. You, a lot of businesses you close over lunch, over dinner. Yeah. So uh, the, there's uh, that, that interaction. I mean, being with your friends. Uh, I'm, I'm Argentinian, and and I just I just been in Argentina for a cup for two weeks uh, traveling for business. And going back there, you know, I'm, I'm meeting your friends, your family, and 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 hugging them, and mm-hmm. spending time with them. You know, spending time and talking about whatever. Uh, it's uh, it's an important thing. It's very important. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that. And it's interesting. I used to do a lot of business early in my career in Mexico, which is a different different environment, but related environment somewhat uh, to South America. And I was doing a lot of studying at the time on on different business practices. And there was a survey that Myers-Briggs has done, which is like a personality assessment. You might be familiar with it. And they mm-hmm. assessed senior executives based on their personality, and they call it personality preferences. So although you may be able to interact in lots of different kinds of ways from the Myers-Briggs standpoint, they're measuring your preferences, like where do you feel most at home and what style? And they had like a, a, a subsection of American executives versus Mexican executives. And the big difference was uh, the perception and feeling aspect for the executives in Mexico, which is more of a relationship-based metric, 
was much higher than and the intuitive style versus the a subsection of leaders that they surveyed in the US which was more about numbers and rational thought which was less relationship based and it sounds mm-hmm. like you're you're validating that even for the executives that uh, and the preferences down in uh South America yeah i mean the the numbers and and uh, the facts let's say are very important and of course it's something that you have to take a lot of attention and and uh and and it's basic the way you base your decisions on but relationships uh add an, an additional touch let's put it yeah. that way and you know is the is the oil that uh makes the different parts of the machinery move easily move faster move, move better you know with with that things are easier without it things don't do not move that fast or that easy as as you would expect yes and I, by the way i learned that the hard way uh when i was as i was working for a us based company uh er, this was uh early 2000s and late 90s early 2000s and i worked for a very i was an industrial engineer and 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 procure and i was working for someone who was very numbers focused but all of mm-hmm. my stakeholders in latin america and the factories and contractors were more relationship driven a lot of times or more balanced between numbers and relationships and i went down there all about making the numbers and just wanting to talk about the numbers and i wondered why i wasn't getting very far with them they didn't really want to talk to me they just kind of like nodded and went off but when i started investing in the relationship more which was some advice that they gave me uh things started to work much more easily they would be happy to talk about the numbers with me but i needed to make sure that i seemed like i cared about them which by the way seems like a basic human thing to do yeah. but i was all about being so basic hardcore. stuff yeah absolutely yeah, so. yeah, yeah first first you have to create that i would say good environment good mm-hmm. relationship mm-hmm. environment and then makes the rest the numbers and the facts and, and and even the difficult the difficult conversations make more easily but first you have that uh you know uh safe environment and that relationship and that uh uh makes makes everything much more easier yeah so great note for listeners thinking about doing business in latin america think about the relationship and having a balanced approach to that now next thing that you mentioned was you mentioned the pandemic which hopefully we're through it Mm -hmm. we're on the back side of it i'm not exactly sure exactly (laughs) where, where we are with it but it seems to be improving um you're cio so you're into the technology side your business is about Mm -hmm making connectivity over a virtual environment, you know, possible in some ways. What was the stress and strain in the specific Latin American corridor? What, because the relationships went virtual, you know, for so many people, what did you see and and how did you as a leader, um, how did you as a leader approach that with your team when they want to be able to be in physical proximity, maybe business works better like that, but you couldn't. Either. Yeah, I would say uh, first it was difficult in terms of everybody adjusting to that situation. Uh, but uh, I think that the good side of it, or the flip side of not having, not being able to, to have that physical contact, is 
people started to realize that they can have a better life balance situation. Even though, hmm. even though okay. you see a lot of, a lot of, I would say, burnout for uh, multiple meetings, uh, one after the other, or even meetings in parallel. You know, you're you are a click away. So when uh, when you're a click away, you can talk with someone in Brazil and someone in Mexico or someone in I don't know a vendor in the U.S. or whomever, whatever in the world, and and you're just a click away. And and when the old way or the before the pandemic, that was much more difficult. Um, I think that uh, there's there is. I would say one of the outcomes I can take is first have uh, team meetings, you know, with with the numbers, with the facts, etc. But also have some time mm. for mm-hmm. talking about other stuff. Hey, how is the family? How, how have you seen the match? How have you seen what? What? How was your weekend? You know, things just to relax. You know, dedicate part of your time to the people. So I think that that's. Uh, a human touch that sometimes the you know the screen and the camera kind of provide or make it more uh, make it much more uh, cold, so to speak. Uh, and and well, that's that's the only way you have to to add a little bit of personal touch. And also the one to one meetings with your team. I think that's more critical than ever because mm-hmm. sometimes yeah, you know in in. This virtual world, what we had to work with in uh, during the pandemic, you have meetings of a lot of people many times that probably was not the case in, in the real world, that there was no physical space. Now there's no physical limitation. So, so mm. yeah, I invite this one just in case for whatever reason. And uh, so having those one-to-one meetings to talk business, like to talk business, but also to talk about how the people are feeling, uh, what are the problems, what are the concerns, what are, and, and the, the problems, the concern, not only from the business or from the working perspective, but also from the personal perspective. If people is not doing, I don't know, if, it, if, if you have one, one of your relatives sick with, with the COVID or, or whatever, it's something that's in your mind. It's something that worries you. It's something that doesn't allow you to focus. So, so you need to help that people and give them the confidence, hey, take a day off, take a weekend off, take a week off, you know, or whatever is necessary just to take care of these kind of things. And 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 the only way to being able to go to get to that point is to have those one to one conversations that sometimes people forget about and uh and I think that's a lot of uh personal touch. Yeah, it's important when you have a big team, you know, like you do that you get everybody together and you have them in the same virtual room so they can be together and hear your, hear the same leadership message. But I think you're hitting on something there. There's not a lot of connectivity that comes out of that. Great, huge virtual meetings are great for one direction communication, but we got to remember that the best back and forth and connection trust is built through one-on-one uh, meetings. So I think you got a great point there. Now, I want to ask you about hyperinflation. Okay, so we've globally, <laughs> y'all, y'all, Lu- welcome to, welcome to our world. Yeah, so, so Luciano, <clears throat> I, you know, as soon as I say hyperinflation, he started smiling. Uh, so I think everyone should realize, you know, we're in this time in history. You could be listening to this, you know, years from now, but right now, 
at the end of 2022, the, the, the is a global challenge right now that everyone's suffering from inflation here in the U.S., inflation after being sort of uh, reduced for so long, it's it's really escalated. And I think we can learn a lot from our friends in South America who've been dealing with it for a very, very long time. And then I pulled some numbers in 2021. Argentina's inflation rate was 48%. Does that sound right? More, yep. more or less. Yep. And then in 2022 through August, it was sitting around 64%. And so these are really high numbers and they qualify as hyperinflation. And I'm curious from a leadership standpoint, what's your advice for leaders for navigating the labyrinth and the challenges that inflation brings? Well, you have multiple sides of it. So, well, let's let's start with, I think the most important is people. You know, uh, you have uh, a double factor here in, in terms of people. First, the inflation itself. And then working in IT means working in a very uh, hot uh, work, uh, job market. So, hmm. as, as, as you know, ah. Everywhere in the world, there's a, a really big uh, restriction of, of people available to do all the necessary work. So let's let's take inflation out. The the turnover of people mm. just because of the requirements of of or the required uh, resources and know how yep. and and prof different profiles is 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 a tough one. If you add on top of that an inflation that the projections in particular in Argentina are going to be around 100% for this year, uh, that's, that makes uh, a double combination of two factors that make it very difficult. So what we're doing is uh, we are working a lot with our HR team and with our management team in, in doing basically multiple things. One is a, a periodical review of, of the salaries of the people mm. and, and making sure to try to keep the pace that sometimes is possible and sometimes it's not possible with inflation. Because, you know, you also have to balance with how much you can raise your prices to your customers to be able to keep up with, uh, with inflation. Uh, the second thing is working in uh, midterms and long-term incentives. Right. Uh, and, and those things, what we're doing is trying to work in, uh, hard currencies, you know, not local currencies, hard currencies like, uh, dollars, because with inflation, it also comes, uh, hand in hand with the devaluation mm -hmm. of, of the currency. So that's something that I know that if I'm working in a, let's say, a midterm, uh, a midterm incentive for uh, a, a project that I'm working with. And, and if I, I meet the the milestones according to the what what we define in in the tandem we define, uh, I'll get a benefit of a bonus particularly tied to that in hard currency. That's a, an incentive also okay. to yep. uh, to give that to, stability to, to what, so people know what they're going to gonna get and something that's going to hold its value more easily. Certain mm. stability, even though turnover is high, even though turnover is high. There is a lot of uh, now with you know the social media with LinkedIn etc. Um, it's very easy to hire somewhere 
whenever it works. So for someone in, a, in, in South America to be hired by the U.S. or a European or, I don't know, a Japanese or whatever overseas, mm-hmm. I'm being paid in, 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 in uh, dollars, in euros or any other hard, hard currency. It's a huge plus. It's a huge plus. So I think that one, that's one side. The other side is also uh, the motivation in terms of what, what do I get by working here? What do I learn? What are the kind of projects I work in? What are the kind of things I'm able to do? What are the new skills I can achieve by working in this company, participating in certain particular projects? So that's one thing that in our particular case that we're going through a big transformation, it's a plus for us. Hmm. Also, of course, adds you uh, a challenge when you're starting to go through almost the end of the river. You know, you have to cross the river when you're almost there on the shore. The people that yep. is crossing the river, uh, it's, hmm. it, it, it's, it's a different people that started, you know, started the, the process. So keeping that people with mm-hmm. more skills, with more know-how going through certain experiences uh, is, is not easy to, to work with. I mean, to work with, to, to maintain, to retain and have a, a retain policy. So, uh, but well, I think that also it's part of the challenge, you know, having mm-hmm. the people rotating internally so people does not do the same thing over and over. I think that's also another strategy where I love we're it. starting so, to use. So, so find a rock, find a rock currency, a way that sort of neutralize the best you can, the impacts of hyperinflation on, their, on what they're being paid, their bonus structure or whatnot. And secondarily, make sure the job's great and make sure they're a good fit. It sounds like, and make sure you've got a proactive retention strategy, like adding meaning at a development path. So it sounds like you're yeah, a lot that- of positive things. Mm-hmm. From from a human perspective, let's put it that way, is first make the people safe economically. So, you know, I can put food on the table, I can pay my bills, I can yes. save some money. So that's the basic thing. But then from the professional perspective, uh, I'm doing the job that I like. I'm doing a job that motivates me. I'm doing things with, in our case, the right technology. You know, it's not that I know I'm maintaining a, COBOL yep. application from 30 years old, and you know, that's not very challenging. Uh, but uh, so, so I would say that's the combination or the mix that, uh, that we are trying to, to achieve to retain and maintain our, our, our people. And, and also, and also, sorry, hmm? by doing that and doing those transformations, you also, that cost in the operating cost of the company. Mm. So that makes your impact of inflation lower than if you have higher costs. So looking for optimizations, looking for automations, looking for better ways to do things, taking more advantage of the assets you have technologically, physically, uh, from, from clients, etc. Uh, and reduce the cost of operating is a critical thing. So in, in, in a hyperinflation environment, how if you can reduce as much cost as you can by the, uh, I would say, optimization, by the productivity, 
by uh, improvement in processes, uh, I think it's it's a critical key. So combining all those pieces together, it gives you a reasonable uh, combination of, of uh, practices to uh, survive during the inflation times. I love that. It's some really great insights there for a leader to think about this. Think about these items that uh, uh, Luciano provided. Even if you're at the CFO, you can be thinking about this from your P&L perspective for 2023. Now, I want to dive in a little bit as to some of the things that you face as a leader. And uh, in addition to what we've already uh, discussed here, Luciano, what's been one of the most difficult leadership situations that you've personally been in? And uh, how did you approach it? Well, I would say one of the most uh, difficult, I would say, or most not nice is when you have to, you know, cut your team. Mm. Uh, and, and, and living in, in Latin America, it's, uh, it's something that happens and happens uh, sometimes more often than you would like. So uh, how do you handle is, uh, well, you assess your team. That's, uh, that's why being... Uh, of, of interacting with the team is critical so you can have the sensibility of uh, how everybody on your team is contributing to the to the um, to the overall uh, goal that you're looking for giving the leaders that work with you empowerment also to do uh, their or manage their teams uh with a cohesive way, but everybody with their style. You know, mm-hmm. we all have different styles, and I think that the better thing that you can do is uh, have a combination of styles. No, not everybody, not one size fits all. You know, a combination of styles. I think it's a great, it's a great thing. And and how do you handle, you know, having an honest conversation with the people? I mean, one okay. of the things I I learned the hard way because because it happened to me the way I started my career is, uh, and and and, I'm, and I, I remember I said to myself I'll never do, will do this is hmm. promising or saying something that you cannot provide, you know, promising oh. something a salary raise, a promotion, or whatever. Hey, assigned into a project or whatever that you cannot make sure you can execute. And uh, so, if you if you want to go in in a wider perspective, is being honest with people. You know, I can have a conversation with you. And, and we work together, and uh, I one of the things that at least helps me to sleep at night very well is I know that in every conversation I have with my people or with you is I I never said anything that I cannot commit to, and if I can, hey, I think that this is the way we do. We don't know if we're going to be able to achieve. You know, that's my perspective. That's the way we can go. So being honest with the people, I think it's it's the right thing to do. And also giving feedback, you know, because sometimes, and, and it happened to me, uh, I, I worked for a state-owned company for like three years and a half. And, and as you can imagine, a state-owned company in, in, in Argentina, it's a lot of people, it's a lot of unionized people, et cetera. And, and giving feedback to the people, hey, you're not doing the things the right way. Hey, you're mm-hmm. not doing this thing. So there's no suppressive. Once you have to cut those teams, et cetera, hey, we talk many times about this thing. We talk many times about the things that you have to improve. We talk many times about the things that you have to 
um, to make better, you have opportunities to improve, and uh, nothing happens. So you're the first choice because you are not providing the value that you're supposed to. Want to boost your productivity and decision-making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to bentfanning.com slash insight. Yeah, some great points there. To be honest, be direct, and uh, you navigate it the best you can. But I think that's something that a lot of new leaders probably fall into that trap where they overpromise. Um, versus under-promising and, un- and over-delivering. They flip it and they get in a bind. Yeah, it's a balance. You know, you, you cannot also under-promise because then you're, you know, you, you could be uh, losing people for not being able yeah. to awesome. provide the message. So that's why I said yep. honest conversation, but which honest doesn't mean hurting, you know, because people sometimes, you you. Uh, at least happens to me. You cross with people, and oh, I'm I'm an honest, I'm straight guy. Yeah, but that's a, that doesn't mean that you need to be rude. Once that doesn't mean you have work, to be. Sorry, yeah. No, no, that doesn't mean that you need to be unrespectful. All, all the opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be hard with the things and soft with the people. When's the time that teamwork played a helpful role for you and your team? Well, I, I think that, I, especially, I would say in the last, I've been working on IT for 30 years, but I would say in the last 15 to 20 years, hmm. teamwork started to be more and more and more important. Why, why, do, why do I say that? Because in the previous, you know, you have those a group of, and I started as a programmer. I don't write a line of code. For the last 25 years, so, uh, but I started as a programmer, very fine work, I love it. Um, and, uh, you know, you were in your uh, lab doing your thing, you know, and your interaction with the outside world was minimum. Today, that is something that can happen because the complexity of the problems that you're trying to solve, the speed that you need to provide the time to market you need to provide to solve those much more complex things and the level of uh, different capabilities and skills that you have to put on the table to be able to solve those problems makes teamwork critical you know Mm -hmm. because you're working in something that you need a tax guy you need an hr guy you need a legal person you need uh, so all these people working together to provide a solution to solve a problem that your company may have. So that's where teamwork, I think, it's it's more critical than ever. And I see just uh, getting worse or or best, depending on how you see. So that's one of the skills I think, uh, and and it's yeah. one of the things that when I when I hire new people, it's one of the first things besides from you know. The technical skills you can learn those, of course. Of, of course, uh, you, you can learn little details of your technical skills or specific technical skills that that things that you know you you can learn. If you do, if you do don't have uh, uh, team uh, capabilities, uh, you know human interaction capabilities, then that is something that is much more difficult to learn than than it 
specific technical skill. Yeah, good point there. And I think it's a really interesting idea that the more complex things become, the gr- the more emphasis that you've got to put on teamwork because you can't do it all yourself and communication becomes more vital. You can't just sort of pass the the proverbial uh, relay race baton to the next person. You actually have to explain things. You have to give feedback to your point. There's a lot of things that have to happen with complexity. At the same time. So, yeah, to save time. Yeah, yeah, really, right? Uh, so also, I, I, and, and sort of winding this, the, this interview up here, uh, one of the things I want to ask you is being a father of four, like you are, very busy executive, what's your advice for leaders when it comes to work-life balance? Well, first, I'm being able to do everything I'm doing and I did because of my wife. Without her, nothing happens. Hmm. It's the glue of the family. And sorry for getting emotional. Um, it's spending quality time with your kids is, I think, the, the critical thing. You don't need to spend, well, my kids at this point are older. They are 26, 22, and twins of 20. So they are old. They do their, they actually live in Argentina as my wife and, and myself live here in Miami because they're on college, you know. So they're, they're starting to get their own life, you know, flying their own, their own path. And, uh, but having that, uh, situation of, uh, family sense be for for them whenever they need and then be for you whenever you need I think it's critical and spending as much quality time as you can I think it's is the critical thing and and the pandemic I think gave us the opportunity to do that you know gave us the opportunity to uh, uh, avoid an hour traffic in the highway, you know, uh, and uh, and and also, I would say the other thing is uh, that at least I, I learned the hard way because at the beginning uh, of my career, I, I mm-hmm. was not very didn't do that much often. Is find a point where you close your day, and when you close your day, you close your day. Of course, there's an emergency. Of course, there are things happen at three a.m. in the morning. And you have to take care of that, you know. In my case, that you work in IT, you have a seven by twenty-four operation. That sometimes, you know, bad things happen. But uh, when you close your day, is the day is the moment for the family. Is the moment for yourself. You know, do sports, do exercising, do read a book, do something yeah. else. Yeah. That provides you also with freshness to your mind to your heart, to your soul, to be able to be productive the next day. If you're also, if you're every, every minute thinking about this problem, that problem, uh, then you are, you never, you never rest. You never have a distraction. You never think of something else, something funny, something uh, uh, that, that makes you, makes you feel good as a person. Wonderful place to wrap this up. Such a powerful message around the importance of family and maintaining that through. And I, and I love that idea around work-life balance, around having a place that you end your day. 
even when you have a 24 hour operation, there's got to be a place where you stay, you, you say, I'm winding it down. So you're ready. You turn it off today. So you're ready for tomorrow. And I think we can all benefit from that. And also, uh, perhaps that idea that you gave uh, that you didn't know necessarily or act upon early in your career uh, can help a lot of people sort of accelerate their own work-life balance, no matter where they are in their career. Uh, so congratulations on that. Um, yeah, and I love the I love the passion that you spoke with uh, with that. So, uh, Luciano, what's your parting thought for the listeners today? Well, I would say uh, have fun. Hmm. You know, you you cannot work seven by twenty four. Is something that you don't like. It's very tough. At least I cannot do it. Uh, I'm, and I'm I'm very passionate in what I do, and uh, I love to have fun in in what I do. So yeah. you you need to love it, and you need to be passionate about it. Even though that's everything that you you are passionate with. Uh, it, it takes hard work. If you like to play the piano, it's not easy. I don't play the piano. I would love to, but I don't. But it takes a lot of work to play the piano well, and you need to practice, yeah. and you need to do uh, the the ugly side of it. But at, but at the end of the day, when you can play that song that you love, it makes your heart and your soul and your mind feel the right way. Feel that you achieved something, hmm. and I think that that's uh, and people can see that. People can see that you're doing something forced, or do you do it because you think you like it, you love it, you're passionate about it, and you think it's the right way or the right thing to do? People can. I mean, we can hide our feelings, hide a lot of stuff, but at the end of the day, people realize that. So for your team, it's also important for you to be that leader that shows uh, your passion about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Being patient also in, in that, it's also important, you know, because, again, you practice the, the play in, in the play, in the piano, and the first time it's not going to sound that good. I would say probably it's going to sound very ugly. <laughs> but uh. you need to do those practices and, 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 and work on that. Uh, of course, you you have to realize that you know. Um, well, I'm not a, play, a piano player, but if I if I if I want if I never be able to play the piano, well, probably I have to choose another instrument, or probably I have to choose <laughs> something else. Uh, but uh, but I think to be passion is is the thing that walks you every morning and makes you want to go out there and 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 do the thing that you have to do. Uh, to achieve the goals that you want to achieve. Thanks, Luciano. Thank you very much, man. It's been really a pleasure to talk to you. Really appreciate it. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.